0: Precious Father, God, we thank you for another moment to be able to gather together and worship you. Lord, I pray that, God, we would take delight and find pleasure in, Lord, exalting your name together. Father, the psalmist says, come. Let us exalt your name together. And I pray, Father, that we authentically do that when we gather here for worship. Father, I pray now that, God, you continue to, uh, Lord, draw us deeper and deeper in worship as now we worship you in the Word of God. For worship, as often as I say it, Lord does not cease when we stop singing but father we worship you more deeply as we begin to enjoy your word as your spirit encourages as your spirit convicts as your spirit causes us to grow in the knowledge and and revelation of jesus christ and father that's a What I pray tonight, that God, you, as Paul prayed for the Ephesian church, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. Father, tonight we, God, open up the last book of the New Testament. The book of the Revelation. And Father, I pray that, Lord God, we will walk in the blessing that you have promised that comes Through that book, Lord, I pray that, Father, you will help us to be captivated by your truth and only by your truth, by your person and only by your person. So, Father, I pray tonight that you give us ears to hear, you give us eyes to see, and, Father, you bend our stubborn wheels in submission to your truth. Lord, I pray that you will speak for me tonight. For Lord, it's a heavy thing to teach through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you will help me to rightly divide your truth. I pray, Father, that you will help me to keep it centered on Jesus Christ. Father, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Well, see, I have not been lying to you. I've been telling you we would uh, begin a series through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, I've been telling you that for probably about a year now. And we're finally here tonight. Uh, and we're going to be be in this book this great text of truth uh, until we cross the finish line unless Jesus comes back before them. Uh, That is my heart's desire, and I pray that this will be beneficial to you, that it will be helpful to you. And so tonight I want to read just the first three verses of chapter 1. Of the book of the Revelation. And I'm camping out in these three verses because they encapsulate the thesis for the entire book of Revelation. Uh, It's important that we we nestle in these three verses and walk according to the truth of these three verses. Or we're going to miss the whole point. The whole point of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. So beginning in verse 1. John writes these words, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud these words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is God's Word. So tonight, I embark on a journey that few dare to embark on. To most pastors and most preachers, it is an intimidating book when you look at it, when you read through. It. Matter of fact, I encourage you to read through the book of Revelation as we, we walk through it. Um, uh, Lewis Talbot of Talbot Theological Seminary. He said this, he commented this, I want to quote him because it's so true. He said, many people treat the book of Revelation like the priest and the Levite treated the man who was beaten and robbed and the story of the good Samaritan. They pass by on the other side. End quote. Um, and to be quite honest with you, throughout all of My years as a born-again believer in the church, quite often I would sit under pastors that would go to Revelation. They would preach usually chapter 2 and chapter 3, the message to the seven churches. And that's all you really ever heard from the book of Revelation. Um, And now having pastored churches for, this is going to sound real, like I'm really old, um, for 21 years now... Um, I understand that, um, for years I resisted really going through the entirety of the text because it can be quite intimidating. Um, in in many ways, I would tell you that as I stand here at the, 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 the precipice of the book of the revelation, I am frightened and intimidated by, um, but, and, and let me explain it to you. I'm not, what I mean is, I'm not frightened because of some of the horrifying apocalyptic themes that take place. So, though some might ought to be afraid of some of the things there in the book of Revelation, I'm not afraid in that sense. I mean, frightened because it can be so easily misinterpreted. Misinterpre- and I've often found that people and pastors. They don't really study the text. They look and see what somebody over here said. Or they read a book about what this end-time guru said, and they latch on to their interpretation, which is far from the root of truth in the text. I don't want to be like that. I want to rightly divide it. I want to um, treat it correctly. And I know from church history that men far greater than I have struggled with this book. Martin Luther, whom God raised up to recover the God-centered gospel of grace, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, he struggled with it. you know what Luther said? And he later, do not you know, before you slap Luther in the, the proverbial face, I'm going to quote him for a minute. I want you to understand he changed this later on. But he was troubled by the book of Revelation in his early Christian life, not long after his conversion. He quoted, he said this, and I quote him, he said, My spirit cannot adapt itself to the book, and the sufficient reason why I do not esteem it highly is that Christ is neither taught nor recognized in it. Now you say, wait a minute, how could he say that? You've got to understand. Luther was just coming out of the harshness of monasticism. And when he read the book of the Revelation, the hardness and harshness of it terrified him. But he later understood that this is God's word. But he wrestled with it. And you might wrestle with it. And I have wrestled with it. And we all may wrestle with it, but that's good. That's okay. Men far greater than I have come to differing positions when you go to the book of Revelation. Now I'm going to use some terms that you may not be familiar with, and that's okay for right now. Some of these things I'll talk about a little more in-depthly as we come to them. But great men of God have fallen under different ways of looking at the book of Revelation. But let me say this, one thing is for certain, and one thing is for sure, Jesus Christ is coming. Christ will return. Christ will gather His church. But men far greater than I, who have been students of the Scripture far longer than I and probably longer than some of you, serious students of the scripture. Five, some of them fall under a camp known as premillennialism. Under the camp of premillennialism, some of them take a pre tribulational view of the church, a mid tribulational view of the church, or a post tribulational view of the church. Others fall under what is known as ah millennialism. Not going to discuss what that is, but it's a perfectly legitimate way of looking at the text. There are others that are post millennial in the way in which they look at it. I would say to you, dear saint, whatever view you fall under. Don't fall there because you heard so. Fall there because you studied yourself there. Okay? But they're different views. I'll tell you, I thought it was funny. I had, there was a, a preacher was asked one time, what his view, what his, here, I'll give you another fancy term, eschatological view, that's end time theology. What his view of the end times and Christ returning was, was it? The guy asked him, he said, are you are you premillennial or are you amillennial or are you postmillennial?" And the preacher looked at him and said, I'm pan-millennial. The guy looked at him rather funny, pan, what, what is that? He said, "It's all gonna pan out in the end," <laughs> and there is some truth in that. Um, my own great grandmother—I called her Amy. Uh, she made some of the best tea cakes in the world. Amy, when I was, she was a she was a student of the scriptures. She taught the scriptures in her local church, Mount Hebron Baptist Church. She. Uh, would wrestle with the scriptures. And as a young preacher boy, she, would, she often, she told me, and, I, and I, I'll quote her on this, she said, don't worry about the book of Revelation. It'll take care of itself, end quote. Well... To use the words of the Apostle Paul, with much fear and trembling, I come here to the book of Revelation, and I am excited, I am excited, but when I say I'm excited, I'm excited like I was when I went down on the five-story drop at Splashwater Falls at Disney World. It's a breathtaking excitement and awe as I look at this book. and So I am excited about it. Uh, and so I, I don't want to pass by on the other side like the Levite or the pre, the, the Levite did uh, in the story of the Good Samaritan. I don't want to leave the Book of Revelation to itself to take care of itself. It's here. It's here for us to wrestle with. It's here for us to study. It's here for us to look at. It's here for us to understand. It's been given to the church for our edification and for our strengthening. And I want to wrestle with it. And proclaim its truth to you. Now, I will give this disclaimer before we begin. If it is novelty... If it is fad, if it is, is end-time fantasy and fiction like LaHaye and Jenkins left behind that you've come to seek out on Sunday evenings, you will find none of that rubbish here. It is not fantasy and fiction or new and novel theology that I want to offer you. But it is the text of Scripture. And I want it to inform our spirits that we stand strong and be ready for the day in which Christ returns. Amen? That is my heart's desire. And that is what I want. I tell you, what I, I, I simply want to stay true to the great thesis of this book that we're going to unfold here in just a minute. And I want it to to lead us to the place where we will be able to join with every creature like it describes in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation in verse number 13 where we will come to the place and be able to say from our hearts to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and ever. And the elders fell down and worshipped Him. Now that, that is what I want us to do. I pray that if anything, if you walk away with anything from our study through the book of the Revelation, we're going to hit some high points and some low points and we're going to go through some tough stuff. But my prayer is that it enlarges your heart to worship Him who sits upon the throne. That you won't be cool and you won't be casual with your worship but you will be altered and changed and transformed by the truth and worship our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to be eagerly awaiting the glorious appearing when we He shall appear in the twinkling of an eye like a thief in the night and we shall all be changed. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight, Revelation chapter 1 verses 1 2 and 3 I want to I want you to leave here tonight with understanding the whole purpose of the book of the Revelation It's encapsulated here this is the thesis of this book verses 1 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation and there are 3 being a good Baptist pastor tonight there are 3 main <laughs> things that I would show you in these three verses tonight. And the first one is, I want you to see the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book of the Revelation. And the purpose of the book, well, it is to reveal Jesus Christ. Anything or any way... That the book of Revelation is treated, that draws you away from being consumed with the revelation of Jesus Christ, it is faulty. And I would tell you, stay away from it. Because there are a lot of people, and they're well-meaning, and they do things that, oh, this is fascinating, and oh, this draws us in. And it leads people away from sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. That is the essence and purpose of this book. Listen to the first phrase of verse 1. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypsis, that's the Greek term used for revelation, translated revelation in the English, it is the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, apocalypsis means to expose, it means to bring into full view, it means to unveil that which was previously hidden. It is an unveiling of the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ came. He's the one who is full of grace and truth. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. But we have only seen a limited aspect of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to be ultimately totally revealed and most glorified when He descends and when He comes and when He returns and there will be an unveiling of His glory like no one in all of creation has ever seen. It will be an unveiling of glory that will be so bright that it will put out the brightness of the sun and the moon and the stars because His light will be the brightest light that has ever existed and you will ever see and you will ever know. We, that is, This is the revelation of that glory. That is what everything in the book of Revelation is moving toward. It is the book of unveiling the glory of Jesus Christ. It is not simply the revelation of end time calendars and timetables. Nor is it necessarily, specifically, the revelation of Events, although there are events that are revealed and those events that are revealed are connected to the revealing of His glory. And we need to know that. This, according to verse 1, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything in this book from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 all the way to the end in Revelation chapter 22... In verse 21, I think, or 21 and verse 22, whichever one, you know, the last of the book, whichever it is. All of it is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Every chapter, every event is directly or indirectly related to the revealing of Jesus Christ. And it is a revealing of Jesus Christ. And it's it's not only revealing things to us about the future. But it also reveals to us things for us to make sure we have understood about the past. While at the same time revealing some things that relate to the church in the present. And we need to see these things. And we need to savor these things. And we need to enjoy these things. Um... It's 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 about matter of fact. Let me clarify why would I say that about this revelation, this book? Look at verse 19. Just drop down to verse 19 and listen to what the angel told John. And when I refer to John, who writes the book of John, let me want you to understand, we're not talking about John the Baptist. This is John the beloved disciples. This is the same John that wrote. The Gospel of John. This is the same John that wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. He is the John who is in prison on the island of Patmos. And he has had this vision. And this is what he says. He says, write therefore the things that you have seen. The things that are, that's present. And the things that are to take place after this. That's future. So we're dealing with... Things past, present, and future in the book of Revelation. And all of these things are working together to that one high zenith pinnacle in which Christ returns. And oh my, what a glorious day that will be. Everything in the book... Is revealing of that glory. Now let me just give you a sampling. Just a selection. Of Christ's glory being revealed. In the book of Revelation. In chapter 1. He is the first and the last. The living one who holds the keys to death and hell. In chapters 2 and 3, we have seen before, because we spent some time in chapters 2 and 3, He is there the Lord and Judge of the church, His church. In chapter 4, He is the Holy Lord, God Almighty, Creator of all things. In chapter 5, He is the Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. In chapter 6, He is the Breaker of the Seven Seals of God's wrath upon the earth. In chapter 7, He is the Sealer of God's people in the midst of great tribulation. In chapter 12, He is the victory over Satan. In chapter 13, He is the Lamb slain from the creation of the world. In chapter 17, He is the overcoming Lamb, the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming with His call, chosen, elect, and faithful followers. In chapter 18, He is the voice of heaven calling His people out of the great whore, the fallen and false, organized, denominational, visible church. In chapter 19, He is the rider on the white horse who is faithful and true. He treads on the winepress of the wrath and fury of God and out of his mouth shall come a double-edged sword with which he will strike down the nations. And we could go on and go on. That's just a selection. But it's about Jesus from beginning to end. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And this revelation is not some drug... Induced vision that some distraught disciple in prison had. This revelation is a revelation from God sent through the angel. But it is from God. The Bible says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him. This is the very word of God. This is The ending of the canon of scripture. And it is the very breath of God on the page. This is from God. And when you got something from God. We need to listen. We need to pay attention. We need to see what the Lord has to say. This revelation that is from God. It is for. Guess who? His servants. His bond servants. As some translations put it. I think it's doulos in the Greek. It means committed, slaves to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Freely committed unto Him. This, this text, it's, you know, when, when you'll find out that sometimes if you, you talk about the book of Revelation, you'll have people that'll want to hear and get in on a class on Revelation that rarely even open their Bibles. Why? They're curios, curiosity seekers. They're just wanting to, just wanting to find out you know, something that sounds like science fiction to them. And they'll, they'll, they'll dive into it. But it's not out of a love for Jesus Christ. It's out of a love for novelty and curiosity and mystery. Now, it's okay to be, you know... Excited about the mystery and and the things that surround some of this. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But it's bad to make an idol out of that at the expense of Christ alone. And so it is a revelation about Jesus Christ that is from God. And it is a revelation that is from God. And it's for His servants. His committed servants. It's not for the half-hearted and the curiosity seekers. As a matter of fact, well, the reason why I'm telling you that is if you're coming to this just simply out of curiosity and just simply because you're entertained by the mystery of it, you're not going to get a blessing out of the book. It is only when you come seeking to know Him who is being revealed more and more. When you seek Him, you will find Him. When you seek Him, you will be blessed by this in a very special way. That's important. But even lost people get caught up in the book of Revelation. Guys, I was 12 years old. I was lost as Cooter Brown. You know Cooter Brown? I don't know who Cooter Brown is, but that's one of those colloquialisms that my grandmother and great grandmother would use. Cooter Brown, I don't know who he was, but God rest his soul. But he got lost a lot. Well, I was lost, spiritually lost. And I can remember, I, you know what? I'd pick up the Bible that they'd give me at vacation Bible schools. I probably had a stack of vacation Bible school Bibles by the time I was 12 years old. And I would open it up, and I really wouldn't care about reading a whole lot of anything else. But I would go to the book of Revelation. I wanted to read about the Antichrist. I wanted to read about the Mark of the Beast. I' went to read about all these things, not really even realizing that I belonged to Satan. I was a child of Satan, because I was not born again until I was 16 years old, and I was adopted into the family of God when God caused me to be born again. And then it was a whole new ball game. <laughs> Wow. So anyway, the, the first point that I want you to understand is the purpose of the book. And the purpose of the book is seen in that opening phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ who God gave for His servants. That is the purpose of the book. Now, secondly, notice the nature of the book. And the nature of the book is to reveal Jesus Christ in this way prophetically in the things that are to soon come to show what will soon take place that's what the text says it goes on read follow the language of the scripture this is given by God this is God's breath inhale God's breath right here he says the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Go down to the ending of verse 3. For the time is near. Something's approaching. And i got to let my servants know something about it. i got to let my church know something about it. I don't want the church to be in the dark about it. But I tell you, there's so many convoluted fairy tales circulating out there in the modern evangelical church that I'm afraid many people will not Be as prepared as they could be. The nature of the book, it it is to reveal or to show that which soon takes place. It is a prophetic book. He talks about, he calls it the words of this prophecy in verse 3. Now prophecy sometimes is misunderstood. Prophecy is kind of a two-fold thing. Prophecy deals with things and predictions of events to come. But prophecy also deals with the declaration of truth. And it deals with the declaration of warnings. And in the book of the Revelation we see the two sides of the coin of prophecy. There's truth being declared. There are warnings that are being given. There are calls to repentance that are going forth. And then there is also the revelation of events that are to come. That are to take place soon. Soon. That's what the scripture says. That's the text. What does that mean? Because I tell you, there are many people that have read that phrase soon, or the time is near. And Satan has used that to drive them away from the Bible. There are those that will see, this can't be God's word. They missed it, they said this was going to happen soon. I mean, after all, I mean, this was written somewhere between 70 A.D. and 95 A.D. I tend to go with the the latter dates, but nevertheless, that was first century. That was a long time ago. And he says this is soon. Oh, this can't be God's Word, they'll say, and they'll throw it away. Well, here's a case where you need to wrestle with the Scriptures. Here's a case where you need to get an understanding. When you come to a place in the Scriptures and you're you're kind of baffled by it, guess what? Scripture interprets Scripture. Okay? That's where you start. You've got to be contextual. It bothers me to the utmost when a preacher will read a verse of Scripture and run down the road with it and have nothing to do with the text. And everybody will be sitting out there, Oh, hallelujah, praise God! And I want to think, what are you praising God over? He just murdered the text. He's not preaching you the word of God. He's preaching you his topic. I don't want to know some man's topic. I want to hear what God's got to say. Well, I'll digress. That's another message. <laughs> oh, It will take place soon. Well... Soon what? Well, soon, I'll tell you this. It's soon... Here's a big word again. But I'm going to define it. It is soon eschatologically. It, what do I mean by that? It is soon in the backdrop of God's end time timetable. Now let me, let me show you what I mean in the scriptures. If, look, first of all, over in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The writer says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. Oh, let me read verse 3, because I want it to be clear. I want you to be pinned to the pew with who Jesus is. He's God, okay? came in human flesh. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. That's Jesus, Okay? Now, but you go back up here. Hebrews was written, guess when? First century. (laughs) What's he referring to it as? But in these last days. Well, guess what, guys? We've been in the last days since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. The church age exists in the last days. Now, you cannot think of days as 24 hour periods. This is a day of an eschatological proportion. You say, What in the world? He's speaking in tongues. Well, if I am, let me give you an interpretation, okay? Look in the book of 2 Peter. The book of 2 Peter, chapter number 3. In 2 Peter, chapter number 3. Chapter 3, guess what it's talking about? The second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to begin reading for you in verse 3. He says, knowing this, oh well, let's read from verse (laughs) 1. This is how the second letter that I, I, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this, first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water through water by the word of God and that by means of these the world that existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Verse 8, this is what I want you to hear. But do you not, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Did you hear that? One day is as a thousand years for the Lord, and in the context of His coming, if you want to get upset with the fact that He said that He's coming soon, and that in Hebrews He said we're in the last days, guys, we're just two days into this. Two days. So there is no reason. someone to reject this because it uses the term soon. It it is soon. In the backdrop of God's eternal counsel and God's eternal purposes, this is very soon. Last time I checked, eternity's a long time. Last time I checked, this life's but a vapor. Gone. So in the, from the perspective of eternity, the eternal counsels of God. Guys, this is soon. Soon. The time from which he prophesied in Genesis. That Messiah would come the first time. To the time that he came. Thousands of years take place. Go by. But guess what? It was soon. From the eternal perspective of God. So. So. The purpose of this book, as we saw, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The nature of this book is prophetic in that it reveals what must soon take place. Number three. Notice the benefit of this book. The benefit of the book is this. There is blessing for both the reader... And the hearer. Matter of fact, in the book of the Revelation, there are seven Beatitudes. This is the first one. You will find another one in chapter 14, verse 13. Chapter 16, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 9. Chapter 20, and verse 6. Chapter 22, and verse 7. Chapter 22, and verse 14. But there is blessing. There is There is a happiness that comes, though it's deeper than just happiness, to those that read it as well as those that hear it. So it is a good thing. There is a benefit here. What what are these blessings? What is this blessedness? What is it that brings greater happiness? I don't know all, but I do know this, that the reason that I told you from the beginning that I, I hope that the reason that I told you, I want to preach the book of Revelation so that we worship Him more. I think that as we see Him more and more and we see His glory more and more revealed in His Word, we will truly want to worship Him and adore Him and delight in Him more and more and so be more full of the joy of the Lord, which is our strength as we worship Him, as we are awestruck by Him and we fall like the elders around Him and bow before Him and worship Him in our hearts. I think that's a great blessing that will come as well as being equipped to know things that must soon take place that must soon take place you see this going back to the soon that these things must soon take place this says this about his his coming It says that the events that are to come are imminent and His return is impending. Be ready. Church, be ready. Be ready. You say, well, I have. I prayed that prayer. I'm saved. Well, if you're saved, it wasn't because you prayed that prayer. You're saved because God saved you. You're not saved by anything you do. You're saved by what He did. It's finished on the cross, okay? You're saved. And if you say, listen. You don't want to be caught by surprise when that day comes. Because there is a judgment seat of Christ that we stand before. Not to see whether we can be saved and enter into heaven but that the quality of our lives will still be judged. And there are those whose lives were built out of what the Bible calls what Paul wrote the Corinthian church. It's like wood, hay and stubble. And it's going to be burned up. And they will suffer loss, the scripture says. Saved as one through the very flames. I don't know what that suffer loss can be. We talk about it. But that doesn't sound pleasant. I want us to be ready for that day. What is the practical application of all of this? There are multiple ways this can be applied to the Christian life. But I cannot emphasize it enough. My heart's desire is that our worship will be enhanced. As we see the Christ revealed in the book of Revelation. I would encourage you to do this. I have encouraged you to read through the book of the Revelation. Meditate on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Pray that it becomes real to you. And then also seek to be a more authentic worshiper. Of our great and mighty God. Who has revealed Himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I would close with these words again. From Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him to show His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John who bore witness to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Let's pray together. Father God, again we